0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Semper Connected. On today's show, we're going to be talking all things related to the Bureau of Medicine, specifically waivers for the enlisted applicants when they get DQ'd at the MEPS. Today, we have the BUMED chief, Corporal Mateos, on the show. We've got HM1 Atkins. He is the, uh, our BUMED representative nested inside of Micric And then we have Sergeant Mann, who is a duty expert on, on a lot of things related to enlisted operations. And he just provides some insight and help where, where needed when we're talking BUMED waivers or waivers in general, such as criteria waivers. Uh, oftentimes, when I would travel out or when, when we have events where the Lucky 13, which are all the senior leadership on recruiting, come together, there's lots of national teeth on, on BUMED and medical waivers, specifically with the rollout of MROADS and a lot of people getting disqualified at submission. BUMEDs have kind of had an uptick, so we thought it'd be good to get the BUMED folks on the show so that they can talk about some of the, the good practices to help speed up your BUMEDs and talk to you about some of the pitfalls that can uh, either prevent you from submitting one or give you a better chance for success. So without further ado, we'll open it up. For the, uh, for the group to uh, kind of introduce themselves. We'll start with uh, Corpo Mateos. Introduce yourself, please.
1: Um, well, my name is Corpo Mateos. I've been here for three, four-ish years.
0: Oh, wow. So, it's been that
1: long already? Yeah.
0: Okay. Right. Did you always do BUMEDs? Were you always on the BUMED? Yes. Okay. So you've got years of experience handling BUMEDs. Yes, I do. So that's good. So we, we've got the right person as the BUMED chief. All right. What else you want to tell? Where are you from? California. What part of California? That thing could be broken into three different states.
1: <laughs> um, well, I came out of RSS Victorville, so I guess the high desert area.
0: Okay. So that's East California?
1: Um, I, I don't know. Kind of SoCal area. Okay. Yeah.
0: The way I understand, you got the Northern California.
1: Yeah. And you got then Southern
0: Central. California, and, and then you got the desert, uh, which is East California.
1: Oh, then, yeah. So I you're guess.
0: claiming SoCal, though. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. close to SoCal. Riverside?
1: Uh, mm, a little bit. It's okay. like an hour, hour and a half.
0: Nice. Away. So you grew up in California. Where have you, uh, is this your first duty station? It is. Okay. And you reenlisted already? I sure did. Awesome. So we got We're you for at least court. another four years. Kill. All <laughs> right. What else you want to say? Nothing yet? All right. I see. And then we got HM1 Atkins. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm, uh,
2: I'm HM1 Atkins. Um, uh, been in Rick for about, uh, going on two years now, uh, been in
0: for 18. Get up on that mic, man. You got to talk into that mic. Uh,
2: been, in, been in for 18. Uh, been primarily with the Marines. I've only been to two Navy duty stations at 18 years. So uh, a lot of medical knowledge, a lot of uh, infield experience, uh, working working with B-meds, working with waivers, stuff like that is not my first go around. I did a lot of that when I was stationed down in NAMI, down in Pensacola. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, brought brought a lot of experience with me when I got up here.
0: Uh, so. Very good. Not only can he help on the administrative side and all of that acumen that he has today, he got some real world application. As I was setting up for the podcast, I sliced my finger open pretty good and we went over to OCS and he was able to uh, stitch me up after I signed the appropriate release forms and and all that <laughs> stuff. So he uh, he gave me three stuchers in my finger. Uh, today so appreciate you doc thanks it's Not good to have somebody on site that can help me i didn't have to go to the emergency room so our man tell us a little bit about yourself what you kind of do for us
3: sergeant man i've been here got
0: to get up on it man get on that microphone
3: been here for four and a half going on five years at Micric. full time in enlisted ops i've kind of bounced around from billet to billet currently the programs manager and waivers chief
0: Four or five years. You trying to outdo me at Rick?
3: Hey, if I could retire out of this chair, <laughs> sir, I would.
0: I know you would. You do a great job for us. And it seems like all of you down in enlisted ops and on that side of the building have a good time. So let's talk a little bit about BUMED. That's really the purpose of this podcast is to kind of remove the curtains and help recruiters and give improve their success on getting a BUMED return and getting returned the first time either approved or with a decision, right? Nobody wants to get the resubmit. Uh, Even when we're getting the turnaround times down, the last thing I want as a recruiter on the last day of the month is to get a BUMED that's returned, but it says resubmit with X, Y, Z. So what are some things in your experience, Corporal Mateos, that a recruiter could do to improve the quality of the original submission and enhance their ability to get a final decision up front?
1: Well, um, one of our prior Marines made a cheat sheet, which Actually helped Um, So the cheat sheet is basically It just tells you what you can provide Beforehand So for example if for ADHD You can provide the IEP And the GPA And all the other things needed But that cheat sheet just tells you what you need to provide For your waiver And that specific DQ Beforehand so that way You possibly don't get a remedial It's not like guaranteed That you won't get a remedial But it helps you, like, less likely get one.
0: Okay. So, you know, there's always an edge case where the doctor for this specific case is going to ask for something that they routinely wouldn't ask for, and it's hard to prevent that. Right. But you're saying that there's a cheat sheet by defect that typically for ADHD, let's show the transcripts that are going to have a GPA on there, some of this other medical documentation. You send that first time, you can typically get an answer of approved or disapp- disapproved without the need for additional documentation.
1: Right. It just depends on if they yeah, attach the right documents.
0: Right. And where does where does a recruiter find that?
1: So it was sent out. Um, sorry, do you remember when it was sent?
3: We probably sent that out close to a year ago. It was sent to each of the district ops sections. Whether it actually got disseminated all the way down, we cannot exactly guarantee. But if anybody needs it, they can definitely reach out to us and we can send it down to them.
0: Okay, so with that said, let's go ahead and discuss email addresses. So if I was going to send Corporal Mateos an email address, where would I send it?
1: To dot M-A-T-E-O-S, at marines.usmc.mil. Perfect. Until March 11th.
0: (laughs) She's giving us her checkout. (laughs) And Sergeant Mann.
3: Chandler, C A J N D L E R, dot man, M A N N, at marines.usmc.mil. We're also on Teams and we still have Skype.
0: Perfect. And obviously, we don't want every recruiter in the nation emailing Corporal Mateos and Sergeant Mann. Uh, you've got layers that, that work. On your behalf, you've got the RS staff, you've got the district staff, and you've got a region whenever they need to get involved with BUMEDS, and then you've got MICRIC. So you, you spoke about teams, right? And you sent an email out a year ago to the district staff. Obviously, there's probably been some turnover there. Somebody's probably got it in the shared drive. New recruiters have come out. And so depending on where they are, where they sit, they may not have access to the document that you're talking about. And as a recruiter that's first-time submitting a BUMED, it would really be helpful to have access to this cheat sheet, right? Have you considered creating a Teams for BUMED or something? So similar to Micrit Connections, you know, we have that. That would be a good place to host that document. But as we've progressed past the old Microsoft and we're on Teams and 360, how do we create a BUMED team so that everybody can share these TTPs and regardless of who comes and goes, that's always there, Is that a possibility?
3: We could potentially create a Teams. However, just to try to keep it in a realm where everybody's used to it, we could also upload it to the SharePoint under the shared
0: documents
3: where everybody's already used to going.
0: That's where they post their BUMEDs right now? Is that what you're talking about?
3: BUMEDs are posted to the SharePoint, yes, but there's another section of the SharePoint where all of the enlistment forms are already posted.
0: Okay, yeah, that would be perfect then. And uh, that would give. And recruiters have access to, to all of these this, this library.
3: At the very least, I know the district and the RS ops sections do. Right. I would assume the uh, the canvassing recruiter would as well. But worst case scenario, they just have to reach out to their RS ops.
0: Okay. Thank you. What are so with the introduction of M roads? You've been here the whole time, Corporal Mateos. Has the workload for Bumet has the volume increased over that time?
1: Um, it definitely has. Uh, we do a lot more b this can, time around.
0: Can you quantify that with a number? Do you have a number? You know I numbers, monthly? I
1: don't have a number. Okay. But I do know that it's way more than what I did last year.
0: Okay. And for the audience, there are over 3,000 recruiters, and they write thousands of enlistments each month. How many people work like are dedicated to the BUMED effort as their day job.
1: Three there's three clerks that do.
0: So so you and two others. Yes. Right. You've got sergeant man that can kick in in a pinch, you got doc that could probably help out when needed, but typically it's you and two others. Yes sir. And obviously they're junior marines. So you've got, you know, we're on a base, so sometimes you have duty. Right. So you're limited there. You've got the rifle range. You've got to go to, you've got swim calls, you've got all these other green side things that people out on the streets might not have to compete with. So you have three, you've had an increase in workload, and you've got to compete with all of that. Right. And y'all get it done. Yes, sir. What is the average turnaround, if you had to guess on by the time you get the BUMED and then get a a answer, whether it's approved, disapproved, or resubmit?
1: So, um... For last week, the average days was 1.15 days, if I'm not mistaken. I don't really remember, but I do know that it was 1. something five days. Yes, sir. So it's way faster than it has been. Last year, it took a couple days, maybe a week even. Mm. But it's lately, I'm very happy on how fast they've been coming back because it's definitely a difference and it helps. The recruiters.
0: Well, I will tell you, going years back, it was months yeah. to get resolution on, on some view meds. And so the fact that we've gotten that down and we're talking decimal dust on the difference between a day and two is pretty good. And even in the 202K push, there was an emphasis on getting them back by the end of the month. But that wasn't every day you were getting decisions back. They would stack up and on the last day of the month, they would unload on you. And it was luck of the draw that it was an approval because most of them would be resubmits. And so that isn't going to do you any good for that month. So now you spend the next month collecting up documents, sending them and getting them out there. So these decisions are are coming through a lot faster than they used to. The BUMED staff has done a phenomenal job of supporting us. And I know multiple G3s. And I think, have y'all been to the BUMED building and met them personally yet?
1: In my four years that I've been here, I've never met them.
0: Mm. That is tragic because I know that the senior leadership is done. Now you, you should get up there and meet the people that you get on the phone with and interact with, because those are the relationships that really, really matter. But absent not getting up there and physically meeting them, getting Bumeds return that quickly is awesome. What what do you attribute that to?
1: Mm, I mean, we just do it as fast as we can. We get them and we get them done. They come up here, we get them done, obviously. Um, Everything by the end of the day gets cleared out. Right. And then next the next morning, it's same routine. We pull letters, and then we get all the BMEDs done. It's the same thing every day, but... Um,
0: How would I cash app you some... I'm just joking.
1: <laughs> um, I'm just
0: kidding. Cash, <laughs> <laughs> uh, money, money, sign. Money, sign, Emily, yeah, yeah, Do- yeah, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah.
3: We have developed a phenomenal relationship with BMED. Uh, Court Mateos and the, the whole section, we are in daily communication with the doctors at BUMED. Corb Mateos is actually texting one of them right now. So we we have a great relationship, and I don't know why they care about Marine Corps recruiting as much as they do, but they genuinely care how well we are doing.
0: Because they care about the mission. That's why. I mean, Doc's professionalism today, we don't work with the Navy a lot on on recruiting, but... I went and said, hey, man, I cut my finger. You got a Band-Aid? And he said, I'll do you one better. Get in the car. And we went to OCS, and he stitched me up. That's pretty neat. He said, yeah, a Band-Aid's not going to fix that. That's a little too big. We got to put some stitches in there. So that's awesome. The the Navy team is is professional, and I think we've made a concerted effort to integrate with them. I know we didn't get Corporal Mateus up there. We should have. Your replacement definitely needs to go and get get eyes on their process and, and who they're working with. Up there, but I know that multiple G3s have been up there. I have been up there. The Master Gunnies have been up there helping soften that target. And having a dedicated BUMED staff focused on Marine Corps side, because a lot of people don't understand, you know, Navy medicine doesn't just support the Marine Corps, they're supporting all the Navy medicine. They got the Naval Academy, they've got all these other things, these competing interests that the Navy's trying to service all these different targets and the Marine Corps is the smallest customer yet the most uh, demanding when it comes to getting BUMED response rates. So having those relationships have been instrumental. If there's, are there any defects that stick out in your mind as like routine? Like every time you see them 99% of the time it's going to get approved.
1: Um, I mean, it just really depends on what's attached in their packages. So an astigmatism could get possibly approved, but if they provide the right documents.
0: Okay, and astigmatism—that's dealing with the eyes, whether they can see or not. Yes, sir. And you're saying that has a high approval rate, depending on their refract error. Is that the document that they're looking? The numbers.
1: They're they're looking for like ophthalmology and some.
2: So, what they're looking for is the the manifest ref, manifest refraction, right? And and looking at at the uh, at the actual eye itself to see if it's going to create a, a progressive issue or if it's a stabilized issue. Um, a lot of times, too, when it comes to a lot of these things, it, it's dependent upon not only the paperwork you provide, but it's also based off the case by case basis. Um, every case is different because every person is different. Mm-hmm. So to say, like, oh, well, this guy's got shoulder instability, uh, and so does this one. Well, we've got a hundred percent pass rate. Like, you no, know, it's all case by case basis. Eye refraction, same thing. Anything astigmatism um, is related to. It's the same concept. Uh, everybody's eyes are different. Um, everybody's eyes develop a little bit different. Uh, so. As long as the paperwork's provided, we have the manifest refraction.
0: Uh U-Med will be able to make a solid determination off of that. Right. Uh, and I think in the in the EPM, we outline the, the numbers that they the, the parameters that they have to be within. So you can if you have that I refract and you know those numbers, you can compare those to what's in the EPM and have a pretty decent idea of whether they're within the range of tolerance or not, as I recall. It's been a long time since I put somebody in the Marine Corps as an actual recruiter. Uh, so astigmatism, what else?
1: Um, I would say self-harm, just depending on how it's oh, case by case. Everyone's different. But it just really depends on how bad this self-harm is or if it, if it even is self-harm. Because sometimes they get DQ'd for self-harm, but it's a scratch from, I don't know, a fence they jumped or something. No, it's not but that's at least that's what they say.
0: I ain't never met so many people get <laughs> cut by jump fences and cats.
1: In in their uh what in their LOAs or in their statements that they their personal statements that they write. We read them and you know, but it just case by case it just really depends. So I'd say self-harm is one of them that could possibly is one of the easy ones possibly. All
0: right. What about uh penicillin? Uh, These are the things that stuck out to me when I was processing Bumeds many, many years ago was astigmatism. That was a big thing, uh, which ultimately we typically got those resolved. And then anaphylaxic 995 was the ICD code that stands out to me. That's penicillin, allergy, things of that nature. Are we still seeing those or no?
1: We we do see those, but um, I mean, we don't see them as often, I guess. There's a lot of Trina allergies, you know, like bee stings and stuff like that.
0: We are a soft generation. <laughs> We're allergic to everything.
1: But um, I mean, it's just providing the right documents. Like I said, it's it could get it could get approved, but depending on how bad it is, and if you need an EpiPen, stuff like that.
3: If you just have an allergy, you're more likely to get approved. If you actually have anaphylaxis, where you go into shock, right? Where you could potentially your heart stops. That's probably going to be a no go. If you had an EpiPen, it's probably not going to work out.
0: Right, but submit it. Because you never know case by case as the doc said
3: absolutely right? submit them but.
0: okay uh, what else oh so I say all that to say this my understanding and, and I don't know if y'all read in on this currently there's a study to find what the top 30 defects are that are the most common that potentially get approved or have a higher approval rate so that they can adjust the doty right so they're they're, they're tracking some some stats and some data so that they can adjust the 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 actual document that doctors are using to make these medical decisions, and if it is something that is routinely approved, just change the doty so that the CMO at the Meps level doesn't have to submit it for a waiver, just approve it there. Like it's it's no longer a disqualifying defect. And mental health is one of them. Self harm. I mean, as as you know, this becomes prevalent in in a generation or what have you, uh, and you learn a little bit more about it. What was taboo before, maybe not so much taboo because you begin to learn a little bit about it and, like, okay, you know, those behaviors can be overcome or that defect can be overcome and it's not a bar to military service. Have y'all heard anything about that? No? We're keeping y'all in we're treating y'all like mushrooms in the dark and feeding you nothing?
3: We've been pushing to get a rewrite of the Doty for quite a while. We've also, in coordination with BUMED, developed the conditional debt process. So those commonly approved conditions, like astigmatism, you are able to depth the applicant prior to the BUMED being approved with the stipulation that you obviously cannot ship the individual until that BUMED comes back approved.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That, that, I forgot about that, but I remember being in some briefs on that with this conditional depth. So kid comes to MEPS and is disqualified for a defect that's on this list. Is is there a list of defects that we can conditionally DEP or any DQ we can make the decision to conditionally DEP and run the BUMID?
3: No, there's a set list that was sent out with the frost call on conditional DEP. The list includes down to the ICD code. So even if you have a similar condition. If if it's not that
0: specific code, the answer is no. Correct. Okay. So if they're on that list, I can enlist that applicant on a conditional basis everything's the same they swear swearing in they do all of that however i've got a set period of time to submit the bumed and if the bumed comes back anything other than approved and i'm talking final resolution it's either approved or disapproved if it doesn't come back approved then i have to discharge someone that that i conditionally debt
3: correct and that's why i was largely against the conditional debt program but i obviously don't get the final so,
0: right. Uh, we all have opinions. Right. And and when you're looking at strategic level impacts and tactical level impacts, obviously you have to weigh out, uh, you know, all the information that you have and make a make a sound decision. Uh, and I think that ultimately the, the middle ground was let's not just go carp launch. And that's why they identified this list of defects with a high probability success rate of getting approved to buy time for the recruiters so that they don't have to take them to maps, then wait this process out and then bring them back. You're not wasting the kids' time. You're not putting them in the hotel multiple times. You're not, you know, with applicant travel comes cost, and not only fiscal but in time and resources, right? So I think the decision is good, it's sound, and we try to mitigate that as best we can. Just because you can conditionally depth somebody, though, does not mean you have to, Right. Like an R.S. could say, hey, that's that's great, and go case by case, but say for this applicant, I'm not willing to purchase that risk and allow them to conditionally DEP. Once we run the BUMED and it comes back approved or favorable, then we could DEP that kit.
3: That is correct. There's also some confusion in the order of the process. Once the BUMED is submitted, we cannot then turn around and conditionally DEP an individual. Once, once we have the BUMED routed to BUMED, if you have not conditionally dept them yet, you can't then turn around and conditionally dept them because you're waiting on the BUMED and you feel it's taking too long. You conditionally dept the applicant if you're going to, and then you submit the BUMED to us.
0: Okay, so how how are they confusing that? Is that spelled out in layman terms in the in the frost call that once the BUMED process starts, you are either already conditionally dept or you must wait the result of the BUMED.
3: The frost call breaks down the order of the process. Unfortunately, we have gotten quite a few view meds where in the comments they write conditional depth, but in McCris they never conditionally depth them. Conditional depth is not a process that's handled at the headquarters level here. You can't just leave us a note that's conditional depth and expect us to, to do that side of it. It's a, it's a district-level waiver.
0: Well, what I'm wondering in that scenario because now you've got this conditional DEP competing with DEP and Held and I'm wondering if they are conditionally DEP at the MEPS they swear in they sign their contract however the RS doesn't push the button in McCris and so when you get the documentation for the BUMED it says conditional DEP on it you look in McCris and they have not been force contracted because the RS hasn't force contracted them but they have in fact sworn in
3: I'm specifically referring to scenarios where the conditional depth waiver was never loaded into McChrist. I see. They send us the BUMED. They then reach out and want us to pull the BUMED back because they're just going to conditionally depth them that day. Once we send it to BUMED, it's with BUMED.
0: I see. But I guess what I'm asking is what says that they can't conditionally depth them if the BUMED has been submitted?
3: Because once they submit the BUMED, they have a pending MCRIC-level waiver, which will not allow them to push that button because they've got a pending waiver.
0: I see. Okay. So the issue, it's, it's a system issue. It's not a legal issue. It's not a, an intentional issue. The issue is that with a pending waiver in the system, you can't – the system will not contract them. Correct. Okay. So All right. I just want to make sure we're not breaking some law or whatever. Uh, we should never be hamstringed by a system. Right, I understand that that is a limitation. However, you can delete that waiver, get it to go through, and then just re-input the waiver again for processing. Which I totally understand that, but operational at the tactical level, I'm not letting the system get in the way of me writing a contract and, and making my mission. So I understand why they're doing that, and I also understand why we have that limitation in there. If it's, you know, you got to approve the condition. Conditional debt is a waiver, right, that somebody is plugging into the system and somebody at district is approving. Once that's approved, then they can conditionally debt, then they submit the BUMED. In submitting the BUMED, they input the BUMED waiver, which is now in a pending status, and you can't contract somebody in a pending waiver. The system will not allow you to contract them. Correct. Okay, that's okay. I want to make sure I clarified that. So I understand that there's a process there, but that's the workaround. If if it comes up and the waiver's there, just have them delete the waiver so that they can contract them and then re-input the waiver. That, that'll solve that problem. What else you got to talk about on BUMED? What are some common... Mistakes or discrepancies that you see. Oof. And I may be catching you. I'm not trying to stump the chump or catch you flat-footed. And I know that, and for the audience, they really had minimal warning that I was going to be doing this podcast today about Bumet. I just came in and said, hey, I got all my microphones and we're going in there to do podcasts. And they was like, oh, I'm going to lunch. I'm going here. And I was like, no, no, we're going in this room to do a podcast. Like, you can't make us, sir. You're right. But you're going in there. You're going to do it. And so here we are.
1: <laughs> um, so there's a, so the waivers, there's like it's little things, but it's things that we see every day. Um, I I'll start with the social. The social sometimes never matches. It's probably like a number off, but it's still it needs to match. And there's we can't be when we say away. don't
0: match. What What are you? So you're looking at the twenty eight oh seven. So and McChris.
1: So on the waiver, like yep. the waiver in the portal, yep. I copy that social and I put it into Macris. So
0: in SharePoint, when they when they load the right. waiver in SharePoint, right, that social or it's just last four, right? In no, SharePoint, it's or, the okay, full okay. social. So you grab that, you plug it in Macris, and if that doesn't pull up that person, then that lets you know that what's in SharePoint social is wrong, right? Okay.
1: That's, that's one of them. Okay. Um,
0: so, clerks, when you're inputting this Bumat waiver, you got to make sure that you copy the Social Security number right out of McCris. Just right. go to McCris, copy, and paste it in there.
3: Right. On that note, name spelling is also very important because oh, yeah. we are copy and pasting the name as you spell it. Mm-hmm. So, every now and then, we'll, we'll get hit up because the name is spelled wrong. The name was spelled wrong when the RS submitted it to us. We paste it into WebWave.
0: I'm telling you now that the things that seem small to us, like it's just one digit on the social. Anytime I go to medical, it is like a knife fight because in the system, it has my name as Christophe. For some reason they ran out of characters for first names and they can't put the R on there. And I have to fight with the doctor. Like doc, it's not a stretch that Christophe and Christopher like that's the same person, but that's how important it is to get it right. And even today Doc drove me to OCS to stitch me up. He had to say, hey, what are we doing today okay which hand are we stitching? you understand that I'm gonna inject you with it? like it's it's critical for medical that they have the right person and the right everything. So for us it might be, oh come on they just misspelled the name come on, it's just one digit off. the shit's got to be accurate otherwise they can't render a proper decision for you. So be diligent and detailed in what you're doing. What
1: else uh, same with the DOB the date of births and stuff, Um, The medical category. The ICD code has to match the medical category. There's an ICD code table. If they don't have it, they can reach out to their district, but it needs to match the ICD code table. I I know I kick back like 10 of those a day. There's so many, and I've memorized them by, you know, they're all in my mind already, but I know when I see an M and it doesn't say something skeletal. I don't know how to pronounce the medical word, but I know what it is. Uh, And they have something with the eyes. I know it's wrong. Like, I can automatically see it, and I have to kick it back because it doesn't match, and it's not the right one. And I would also like to add, please, please, please put all of the DQs in the medical reasons. Because sometimes we get hit up with, hey, the uh, B-Med letter doesn't have all the the applicant's disqualifications and the reason why is because they didn't put all of the disqualifications in the medical reasons box so we in the sharepoint
0: or actually on the 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 waiver
1: on the waiver waiver sharepoint
0: okay so when they're plugging in the applicant right if they have four different defects you have to list all four defects not just the first one right because that's what's going to be used to generate the letter that the doc then signed
1: exactly yes okay So we need all of them on there. So that way we don't have to go out of our way and tell BIMIT, hey, can we add these? Because they didn't add them to the waiver. And it just adds more work when it should have been done in the first place.
0: Okay. No, that's good. And and for the listeners out there, I understand. You're like, hey, that's your job. Like, double check that stuff. All you need to do is type a letter. I'm out here recruiting. I got to go make these phone calls. I got to go to the mall. I got to drive them to MEPS. I just need you to do the letter. There's like a handful of people helping support thousands of you meds. If you can help put them on the target, it just helps you, right? And when it comes down to inputting the waiver, the recruiter's not doing that. There's a clerk at the RS level that's going to input that. So clerks at the RS level, please be diligent and and plug that in. Opsos, ops chiefs, get involved uh, if you're not in this process. Again, I know you're dealing with a lot of them too at the RS level but there is one single chokehold that minimizes all this down to six people, and that's the districts, right? And so I understand that those six people service us a lot of different targets because each of the six will have eight RSs, and they're, and they're sending them up there. But for them to get to micric and we catch the problem, I know we don't see all the other problems that they caught, and so we just see the ones we see, and we're like, ah, if they were just doing their job, it would make our job easier. I'm confident that they're catching a bunch of discrepancies too. However, the more detailed you are at the lower levels of catching these, the faster we can get them and get a decision. And most days, it probably doesn't matter that there was a discrepancy that cost you a a day, especially when they're being returned at 1.4 days. However, when a simple mismatch on a social or a name puts you from the last processing day to the first processing day, that little error impacted a recruiter's ability to go from writing a zero to a one or potentially go from a four to a five or an rs make a mission a district make a mission or or a region make a mission or micric ultimately make a mission so please the devil's in the details make sure you're paying attention to those small things and if you need to be refreshed on stuff reach out to your districts and ask them because those are the six points of contact that can help you because they see bumeds every day all day more frequently than you do
1: um, another thing is when it's a remedial Bemed, uh, we want a new waiver. We don't want the completion dates erased because that it just glitches in the system and it completely just it disappears. We can't find it anywhere. So we need we need a complete different waiver. So,
3: so that when you we- say
0: remedial, remedial means that a letter was generated on this case other than approved that probably said resubmit with xyz right and when they go to resubmit again this is not a recruiter's fault this is some ops clerk at an rs they're going to the old sharepoint list finding that name clearing out the original submission data mm-hmm. and trying to reuse that yes and what you're asking is hey create a add new yes type all their information out so that we have both cases right which is important for analytics when somebody's right. asking yes. how many resubmits have we received and then of those how many were approved or disapproved? Mm-hmm. And what are those timelines? If you are modifying the original case, there's no way to do that.
1: Right. It's for tracking purposes and also because I mean we can it the system is just it glitches out sometimes.
0: Right. Clerks, input a new line. New <laughs> case, same person. And if it comes back with a resubmit again, create another one. Now they've got their third one. And if it comes back again, now they've got their fourth one. Stop modifying the old record. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. What else?
1: Um, I'd say McCris profiles. Uh, they have to be working. The disposition has to be a working profile. It cannot be DQ Medical, DQ Mental. has to be a working McCris profile. Also, there needs to be a McCris waiver in there.
0: All right. So this is where Ops, the Staff NCIC, and the clerk in ops at RS level have to have to work together. Me as an opso, I was cleaning out. So an NWA law, so what, what you're calling the disposition needs to be working, right? As an opso, I can work an, a name for 90 days. And then what I'm supposed to do is close them out. And then if we want to continue working them, create a new profile. So it goes back to kind of what you're talking about with the SharePoint list. I want them to create a new working applicant again so mayfield is in there once 90 days has elapsed i'm going to submit the Bumet, but he's out at a consult or waiting on something so i'm going to DQ medical because that's why they didn't enlist i'm then supposed to accept the nwa again so now i've got the closed out disposition and now i have the working a lot of opsos are probably going through their log they understand that a bumed is going to get but they're closing out the disposition going DQ medical and then not requiring the staff and so i see to recall the worker in to get that working profile, so that they can then add the BUMED waiver to that profile and then submit the, the waiver up. Does that make sense? And so this is mostly for the listeners to understand. Opsos, if you're out there closing out NWA staff into ICs, if it's been a while, check make sure that they have a working disposition clerks go into McCrist validate that they have a working disposition before you send them because the way that's going to work out is at the last minute of the last day of the month it's going to come back approved and somebody's going to go to click approve on the waiver tab and there's not going to be a profile there to do it and now we can't do it and now we're submitting trouble tickets or you can't make mission because the system doesn't have the open profile for you to contract when Mears batches that data over. Uh, Obviously, I know what's going to happen. MEP's going to swear that kid in. We're going to write the tick mark down on the paper, and we're going to submit a trouble ticket, but you could prevent a lot of those problems if you would just do the the work up front. What else?
3: On that same note, anytime there's a comp code change or for whatever reason a new profile is created, if that kid has an approved UMED waiver, reach out to your district so that they can reach out to us and we can waiver in the
0: new profile okay so i enlist as active duty i had a bumet waiver for astigmatism it was approved and now i'm i want to become a reservist so they're going to discharge me they're going to build a new profile i'm going to go back to maps and i'm going to swear in now as a reservist however i've got this medical defect and so you need a new waiver on them my question i say all that to say this how long is that good for
3: the waiver is good for two years, and we have to use the date from the letter. So if you reach out and you need a waiver approved in a new profile, but that waiver was approved a year and a half ago, the approval date gets backdated to a year and a half ago, so you've only got six months to ship that kid before he needs a new waiver.
0: Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, I th- That may be the case. Um, I think it's typically tied to the date of the physical Uh Yes, so it sir. so it expires with the two years. right, and, and that's typically what it's tied to. Not necessarily the Bumet approval letter. If that physical expires, that Bumet typically expires as well. Because if not, then they're going to come back to MEPS, get the full physical again, and now we're going to ask the CMO to qualify them based on that old BUMED letter. They may or may not do that. They may require you to resubmit. However, if you're telling me that BUMED letter being within two years will just generate an approval letter based off the previous approval, then that simplifies the process, but probably doesn't stop it from going down that way.
3: A BUMED approval letter is good for two years or until the physical expires, whichever comes first
0: oh i see okay
3: if you have a previously approved waiver when you get a new physical assuming nothing has changed it's a very quick process and nine times out of ten it comes back approved very quickly right however if anything has changed on that physical Mm -hmm. you're likely going to get a remedial letter at this point even though you were just approved a few months ago
0: right okay all right doc what up what you got to add on this what are you seeing and and uh, for the audience, he typically deals with the the officer side. Every every officer is a BUMED, correct? They they all have to go through the BUMED process, and so you you typically work with there. But h- how do you support the enlisted side effort with BUMED?
2: So, primarily, what happens is uh, if we've got a remedial, we've got a case that is waiver not recommended. Um, one of these uh, fine Marines here will come seek me out. We'll look into the case. Uh, we'll determine if it needs an, an ETP exception to policy letter. Um, we'll determine if they need a different kind of uh, exam, any kind of follow up care uh, from the doctors, or if, if the kid is just going to continue to be waiver not recommended. Uh, so we make that determination. Uh, I've worked with them, like I said, in, in determining that. Typically, though, um, a lot of it comes down to we simply make a phone call. To BUMED, we we address whatever the the concern is, uh, get BUMED's feedback, and then we address it back to to that RS or that district, uh, what, whichever is asking for it. Um, the other piece to it is in regards to to the DOTY and all the the conditions and stuff like that. Is a new DOTY was just published back in November. Um, They are still working on revising, going off of that, those uh, list of conditions. But they they started off with just a bare minimum brand new Doty to allow the CMOs to take a look at it. Uh, Just uh, back in December, a lot of the CMOs gathered up at a conference in Texas uh, to discuss the changes to that Doty and, and to really get them back on board with the changes with MROADS changes to the to the Doty, Um and that way we start kind of meshing the cmos to the same idea uh, across all branches not just going through the marine corps or going through the navy but all branches that way they understand where uh, the disqualifier is going to come at um, but primarily uh, when we have certain issues they can reach out to me if the district has a question that, for some reason, they're not happy with with the answer certain man or Corporal Mateos gave them. Uh, but more than likely, I'm going to give them the same answer back. Uh, and so the the big push there is just understanding that that I, I'm not going to make anything different. I don't have a wand to wave that that instantly just by contacting me it changes the mind of BUMED uh, and and how enlisted ops runs runs their side uh, but it does allow us to to kind of go full circle and look at the entire uh, disqualifier and really hone in on okay is this something that we potentially will see more of because of M roads and because of the new processes with uh, pimmers and stuff like that or is this just one of those cases that we typically approve them and this guy he's just not getting approved
0: for for whatever the condition is so Okay, thank you for that. And I will tell you, uh, in my time on recruiting, I, I've seen defects that were taboo and not, not waverable to where now it's a, they're a dime a dozen. Uh, the, one of the first applicants I worked as a recruiter had ACL surgery. And at that time in the late 90s, if you had ACL surgery, you were not going to get waived. And now it's very routine and very common for someone to come in with ACL surgery. The procedure has improved. We know that the long-term effects is that the knee is actually stronger potentially than it was before the, the tear. And so we waive those conditions. And I suspect that there are some conditions that are going to be nested in this Doty that may have changed some of the things that us old salts would say, Oh yeah, you're never getting in with that. Where now we've gotten more information, updated information, and we don't see that it's uh, counter to military service. And so you can come in or you can come in with a waiver, but a couple things I want to unpack one. Uh, It's a recommendation from BUMED. So when it comes back, whether it's approved or disapproved, that's their recommendation. And we typically don't argue approved because nobody's going to reverse their recommendation on approval in most cases. However, sometimes they come back with disapproved, and you mentioned exception to policy. So it sounds to me like BUMED could make the recommendation for do not favorably consider service However, the commanding general of Recruiting Command can uh, consider that recommendation, but then ultimately approve that waiver. Is that correct? That's correct. Have y'all seen that before, Sergeant Man and, and Corporal Mateos?
3: Rarely, yes, sir.
0: Extremely rare, uh, and it's typically. Uh, something to do with whatever specific, MO, like the band, you know, if they're going to be president's own or something to where maybe recruit training is not required, things of that nature. Right. I mean, not always, but
3: if you have a president's own applicant, please highlight that in the view med and notify us of that because they oftentimes do not, but yes, it's, a lot of things are considered in a exception to policy case. We also consult with BUMED again. We we reach out specifically about that case and we get a risk analysis for the CG. That risk analysis, they they are very careful not to provide a recommendation for or against in the risk analysis, but they will provide the CG with a sometimes a uh, rough success rate. If, if the applicant makes it through boot camp, they've got a 80% chance of making it through their career, no problem. But the risk analysis is just that. It lets the CG know what he is signing his name to.
0: Right. Uh, and again, when you go down that, so to submit a BUMED uh, as a recruiter, submit some documentation to the recruiting station. They submit it to the district via SharePoint. District Q sees it and submits it to MICRIC via SharePoint. There is no region uh, oversight or part of that process. However, if the Bumed comes back as disapproved, and somebody wants to and, and has a and somebody giving me the hand and arm signals here too. So if it has been returned. Disapproved twice, at that point you can consider an ETP, right, for the CG. However, when you submit for an exception to policy, that must go through your region and your region commanding general must favorably endorse that, correct?
3: Correct. Once the package is routed to the region, region will reach out to MICRIC via email. They will request the risk analysis before putting it in front of the region CG.
0: Okay, so now we've backed up the risk analysis to the, the region CG side. So Bumeb will, on that case, do a risk assessment on that specific case, provide that to the east or west region so that their CG can make an informed decision on whether they want to even favorably endorse to push it to MICRA. Yes, sir. Right, okay. Uh, and, again, you know, I want everybody to be approved. I do. But, unfortunately, not everybody can be approved. And so there's going to be some cases where they're disapproved and not every case needs to be resubmitted for a second disapproval, right? And then those cases do not need to be submitted for an ETP. Uh, There's a reason we have standards. It's for their safety. It's for their protection it's for the safety and protection of those in which they serve with. And then there's the, the idea that the doc brought up, you know, is the defect stable or will it continually progress and though at 18, I have a defect that I'm confident I could get through boot camp with, and I might even get a four-year enlistment with, if at 38, we put that kind of stress on them now, now they're not going to be able to walk later in life. Not only are you signing up for disability payments to that individual, but you've killed their quality of life 20 years later over something that we probably could have made a smarter decision up front and said, hey, you know, I appreciate your, your willingness to volunteer to serve. However, based on X, Y, and Z, it's not in your best interest to serve, right? So it's not always about the now, the, the right this minute. And, and again, that attitude changes depending on what posture the U.S. is in at that time, right? When recruiting is good and and we're at peacetime, you know, there's a lot of disapprovals for things that, you know, during 202K push and during war that, that eh, you know, we're willing to buy a little bit more risk on somebody's uh, medical qualifications at this point because we got to either surge or we need to uh, go fight a a war somewhere. All right, what else we got on BUMEDs?
3: Something that comes up a lot is a little bit of confusion as to what kind of authority BUMED does have. If BUMED catches something that the MEPS did not 3P an applicant for, they can absolutely add that to the list of disqualifying factors. So... I am by no means advising anybody withhold any medical information, but if you've got a kid that was 3P'd for, say, astigmatism, don't submit documents about his kidney stone when he was 11. You are going to get a remedial asking about the kidney stone that MAPS already cleared him for. UMED has that authority.
0: Right. Uh, So I'm going to need you to clarify that comment. So... How do I know that the applicant told the CMO about the kidney stones that were cleared up, and then when I submitted the astigmatism documents, the kidney stone was listed in that, and then they asked for more documents? Uh, how do I ensure that what BUMED is asking for that the CMO already approved, or the kid just didn't willfully omit, but then it gets caught up in the documents that they submit for the other defect?
3: That's one of the beauties of the new Genesis System Series. The MEPS liaisons have access to the applicant's entire medical history.
0: Okay. I just want to make sure that, uh, I mean, again, trust me, as a recruiter, when I was submitting a BUMED for asthma, every document that I submitted was about asthma. And I read through all 50, 60 documents to make sure that I was setting that applicant up for success. But if for some reason Mayfield missed something and there was kidney stones in there, I would expect Bumed to ask, hey, what's up with this kidney stone? I know we're looking at asthma and there's no mention of kidney stones in your 2807, but it's in your medical chart that you submitted. I need more documentation on that. That's well within the rights of Bumed and 100% good on them for catching that.
3: Absolutely. And we get questions from time to time when someone gets a remedial letter asking for seemingly unrelated documents. Right the district will reach out and they'll tell us the applicant was already cleared by the CMO for X, Y, and Z. Why is BUMED asking for these documents?
0: Because the CMO did not do a good enough job articulating that on the 2807. So update the 2807 and resubmit or have the doctor call BUMED directly and work that case out, right? That's another thing I want to talk about. These CMOs can call BUMED directly, right? They have the ability to call, and BUMED actually calls them from time to time to ask for clarification. Is that correct?
3: Yes, unfortunately, the CMOs are all in direct contact with BUMED.
0: Why unfortunately?
3: We have procedures and structure in place to push BUMEDs that need to be pushed faster. We've, we've started to develop the quote-unquote same-day BUMED process, and we have those systems in place. Every now and then, we will be contacted by BUMED and they inform us that a CMO at whatever MEPS reached out to them directly (laughs) and said that they have an urgent case that they need turned around right
0: now. Right. That sounds like a good CMO. So let me uh, rephrase what I think I heard you say, that at the national level, we sometimes weight efforts based on our own priority. And so there are six districts, 48 RSs. We may have an internal thing that RS X, Y, and Z will get expedited cases on the last day of the month and anything outside of that can be worked but these are our main effort this is our priority of fires and this cmo or some of the cmos are now calling bumed directly and they're not inside that target list of priority and that's uh pulling the caseload down of the workers because they start prioritizing that and bumed doesn't know who to listen to is that what that kind of what i'm hearing I mean good on the recruiters or whoever's working that CMO with a with a bottle of bourbon, talking about, hey man, get me at the get me at the uh, priority stack. Is that what you're saying basically?
3: Yes, sir. We we have it set up obviously through through the district, through yep, the region yep, yep, to yep, determine yep. what cases are yep. the absolute priority. Right. Some of the CMOs are certain of anything.
0: Right. But that's an easy fix in my mind because I'm going to talk to Bumed and say, "Hey, if the if the priority doesn't come from us, it doesn't matter, right? Hey, I appreciate the CMO calling, and I'm going to give him the lip service or her the lip service. Hey, I got you, man. We'll work on it. We'll do what we can, and then I'm going back to the priority list that Mickritt gave me. I mean that that's just that's how I would solve that. So if we need to have that conversation with Bumed, like, hey, we understand that the CMOs are starting to call and ask for preferential treatment." And which are in direct conflict with our priority list that has been vetted through the regions and the districts, then you don't action that target. You you got to stick to the priority list that came from Micrite, right? That we'll we'll fix that, right, Doc? I mean, that's an easy. Yeah, that's an easy phone I mean, call, like, hey,
2: that's an easy phone call, and and simply just clarifying it with mid and uh, and even calling up the CMO and, and explaining the process to them. right? Because uh, there are times, I mean, we're all human there are times where we get we get so focused on a particular case uh, that we forget the processes. Sometimes you just need somebody to give you a call, remind you of, of how the process works and, and kind of re, recalibrate you on right. uh, getting it done. Uh, I will say this, not just because uh, we're on the topic of CMOs and to kick them while they're down, but uh, the, other, the other issue that comes up a lot of times from the CMOs, and I know uh, these two have a constant issue with it is when the BUMEDs come back uh, and they send those BUMED letters back over towards uh, the RSs or whatever and the CMO sees it, the CMO says they're not going to accept that BUMED letter because it doesn't exactly state ex- the exact disqualifier that they were disqualified for. Most of the time if BUMED disqualifies them and there's three different eye issues and it's all concerning low vision or low visual acuity, and BUMED writes on that BUMED waiver letter lower or lower uh, visual, visual acuity, that's covering all the all the disqualifiers. Right. And the CMO just has to deal with the fact that 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 little bit of term covers all of those. We're not going to sit there and list each individual eye issue on one BUMED letter when it can be encompassed in, in fewer words and look a little bit neater and cleaner. Um, so we have had issues like that. Um, again, uh, if, if anybody out there uh, comes across those issues, by all means, let's our man know, let Corporal Mateos know. Um, if I've got him get involved, I'll do it. Uh, I, I've done it before where I've had to call out to a, to a RS or call out to a MEPS and have a discussion with the CMO and say, look, I understand this is how you want it written, But you have to understand this is how BUMED wrote it, and it's going to stay like that. Just accept it, please, so we don't have to bog down BUMED by reopening cases, going back in, having them re-upload a brand-new letter with everything they're wanting in the order they want it in, and and then having to send it back to us for approval again and then kicking it back. Uh, It it takes more manpower and more man-hours out of the fight Take care of everybody else. If we're having onesies and twosies, I have to continually go back to Bumed because the CMO is not okay with the verbiage
0: of a, of a Bumed
2: letter. Right. So,
0: yeah, I'm, uh, there's not a lot that the recruiters are going to be able to do about that, and that's where the Meps liaison and the relationship that they have with the CMO, and you know, CMO's got a a, a lot of responsibility. It's probably an extremely tough job, and oftentimes when like CMOs don't come out the gate like that. There is a case somewhere that burned them where the letter didn't specifically spell a defect and CMOs are rated on entry-level attrition uh, just like, you know, recruiters are when we're looking at an MCRD attrition. And when they get a specific code where the MEPs should have caught that or whatever the CMO, you know, they're getting rated on that and they're reading the, these reviews And they become scarred by that. So I'm sure that at some point a letter came out that was vague and he was like, okay, it's good. Or she was like, it's okay. And then they got burned on an entry level attrition. And so they're like, never again. And now we all pay the price because of that one edge case that, that got them burned. So a lot of times CMOs are scarred by, by experience. Uh, But by and large, they, they they got a tough job. I suspect that's tough because you got to get up super early, go to MEPS every day and look at all these strange kids that are volunteering for their country and then make a decision whether or not they're medically qualified uh, to serve. But in saying all that, you, you highlighted something I want to talk about. I want to talk about the actual process. So an RS accumulates all these documents, the 2807, the applicant statements, all of these things, and they scan it to PDF. And then they go to the SharePoint site, add new BUMED, type in the name, and attach these, the documents to that file. And then they hit submit or enter or what have you. And at that point, it's just a digital file that the district now has on their radar based on which district was selected and a date, right? That the, these dates fill out the filters for them. And the district's going to open it. They're going to QC it. They're going to open up the PDF. They're going to do all these, check the social, the name the defects, blah, 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 then they're going to add a date. And when they add their date, it comes into your queue where you can see it yes. from that point, And this is all done in SharePoint at this point. So the only person that has to actually enter any type of data is the RS clerk or whoever's doing it at the RS level, the district, they just toggle and put a date in or whatever. And it moves to you. You then actually have to, as my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, have to, save a local copy of all the files and then take and replicate that data into a different system. So you have to retype the name, the social, the defects, all of that, and attach that PDF to that document, right? And that's called WebWave. Yes. And so the time you get it in SharePoint and you get it to WebWave for Bumed to get it into their queue, you got to swivel it and put it into a whole other system, and you're saying if you get it by – X time at the end of business day, those are all out that same day. Yes. At a cut, I mean, at some point you have to do a cutoff. So right. we'll say it's fifteen hundred. If every, you know, at fifteen hundred we check the SharePoint, if it's there, it's gone. Anything after that, we're not. I don't know that that's your timeline. I'm just that I'm just saying that. And then after that cutoff in the morning, you get those to Bumed. Yes. From there, what's the process? So Bumed now has it. What are they doing? Like how, how do they source their course their caseload or whatever you know they've got a hundred cases sitting in the queue that you know Mick Rick submitted yesterday how do they triage that like do they go through and try to find the easy ones or are they just going in order of timestamp do you know so so the way that Bumed handles that is every case that's entered goes
2: and gets sent to a primary reviewer who then goes through and selects the the actual secondary reviewer the the physician. Is going to look at that case. Um, as soon as they send that case over to that reviewer, it's going to go into their inbox, whether it be urgent or routine, and it's going to go in order by the case number. Mm-hmm. So if you've entered a case that is 23 uh, 615, but you need it back today. Bumid's still back on case two, three, five, three zero. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to wait a hundred and some cases. It's it's gonna come up and populate down that roster as they go. They don't they don't set it up and go. Hmm, who do I want to pick and choose today? Yeah, yeah. so they just Bumid go in sequential of, order. Uh, because I know it's been said before, uh, a couple people have asked me, like, does Bumid work and get paid by each case they complete? And no, Bumid gets paid for the amount of time that they are logged onto to that computer working on those cases. So that's why BuMed will be on at 2 a.m. working these cases for us. That's why BuMed will be up at 8 a.m. working these cases for us. But the cases themselves are all in order, numerical, and that's how they see them and address them. Uh, every now and again, if if one of us up here at MCREC contacts, I'm like, hey, I know you may not be at this number because it's still pending review, can you look at this case for me now? They have to go dig for it. Right. Uh, and they have to look through their list in the system of that case number to pull it and start reviewing it. Uh, and while it's great to kind of get that jump on those onesies and twosies, now they have to go back to where they started and start that list again. So right. we, we try to limit the amount of interference with that. Um, but, yeah, that's that's basically
0: how they review all the physicals that come in. So at initial input into WebWave, you're the one that, that determines uh, routine or urgent at, the, at that time, or someone there is the one that can flag routine or urgent on the case? We do. Okay, so you do that when you input them. Yes. And can you go back? Like, So let's say we input five today, and they're not making any movement. It's now five days later. We're on the last day of the month, and for whatever reason, we didn't get one of them back, because I know we get them back usually pretty quick you could then go back in and flag that as urgent yes. at that time so you can change the flags yes. as things happen uh, so you control that what i like about that is it is sequential unless you hit the urgent flag and then it can bump it to the top of the queue which is good and that's good for listeners to know because if you got them some case out there there is a possibility that you could get the urgency flag put on it however if there are thousands up there they can't all be urgent. Otherwise, nothing is urgent, which is why the priority target list that the regions and the districts send to MICRIC are important that we were talking about earlier with the CMOs trying to circumvent that. I'm not mad at the recruiters or RS that's working that relationship with the CMOs. If you can get it, cool. But if I'm up here at MICRIC, I'll block that very simply by calling BUMED and saying no priorities and urgencies get adjusted off of my target list at the MICRIC level, Uh and so where, I go? where was I going with that? I lost my train of thought. Okay, so the urgency flag you picked. What I do like about the sequential is I know me, human nature, right? It's, it's Thursday. I'm about to kick out on a day off, and I'm looking <laughs> at my workload, and I see 10 waivers sitting on my desk. I'm looking for the easiest one to read. If they're just going in order, they could get an easy one or they could get a complex one. Whatever it is, when they open it and they start working it, they, they don't have the ability to pick the low-hanging fruit, the easy ones first. They gotta go in this sequential order. So that I kinda like because if it's a complex case, they can't push that off to Monday because it's Friday because they don't feel like working the tough case. Now I suspect they could open it, start reading and be like, F that, and move down to the one below it. But uh what I like is this sequential. So they just they're going in order. So the key here is the sooner you can get it to us, the better. Because now it gets that case number. However, if you're not diligent, it's just gonna keep going to the bottom of the stack because as they update it, it's gonna the timestamps are gonna change as those case numbers come back in with added documents or whatever. So please help us help you so that we can get the, the BUMED into WebWave accurately. All right. Oh, so so they've got the case number, BUMED's got it, they they're working it. It's kind of like a trouble ticket system. Somebody gets it and then determines whether it's got everything complete, and then they assign it to someone to review, and now they've made a decision on the case. Who's typing the letter? Does somebody at BUMED type that letter? Like who's typing the BUMED? uh, Say that again?
3: There's two letters. BUMED generates one letter Mm -hmm. with their recommendation, and it lists out these specific conditions, Yep, and that's where we sometimes get hung up. Hung up with the CMOs. We then generate a MICRIC letter because MICRIC CG is the waiver authority.
0: Okay, so we're generating two my understanding was that BUMED would generate the original letter. So so again, you have to understand they have thousands of things coming in and they're going and, and where I'm going with this is they're gonna type the quickest, easiest way that they can in this letter to get it out so that the CMOs can approve and enlist this kid. And when we start gnashing teeth over whether this means that or that means that, they then have to stop what they're doing, rewrite this letter, slows down the next letter, so on and so forth. But a person has to manually type. We need to get some chat GPT up at the BUMED, right? (laughs) Uh, So they have to manually type all these letters, and then they send them to you, and then you regenerate another letter or you just add an endorsement to the letter they provided.
3: We generate an additional letters
0: there. So, two letters are getting typed from. Why can't we just endorse the letter they gave
2: us? Now, now here's the thing. So, in in the BUMID system, our letters are generated as, as templates. Right. So, it, it's, it's already, already got, got the two to from. It's uh, already got the two to you from. You just got to type the sub or the, the body. It, it already has the body in it, it already tells
0: you depending on which template you select. It's going to
2: tell you if they're physically qualified, Mm. whether or not not, Mm. uh, recommended, if they're waiver recommended.
0: 90% of the work's already done. You just select the template. You just
2: select it, make sure your name's down there or whoever's signing it, sign the letters, names on there, and you just click finish. It populates the letter and saves it instantly in in the case.
0: Got you. Okay, so that and that's all in Webway, and that's all. So in that's Webway. automated. If I if it's astigmatism, I just click the astigmatism template, and I just it, it it's there. It, yeah, it auto populates the, the, the name, doctors, all that.
2: The BuMed doctors up there when they go to create that letter, yep, uh, they'll have to go in. The only thing they type is whatever the disqualifier is. Yep, but everything else, saying waiver okay. recommended right, right, or right. waiver not recommended, all that's already pre established there. They have to do five percent of the work, and then just go down, click finish, and forward it over to us. And then for us, we go in,
0: we click on what type of letter that we want, and then it's already there. So WebWave generates the letter for you, too? So the two letters that we're talking about, one's generated by the CMO and the other one's generated by us, but they're both generated in WebWave? Yes. Okay. And so it's just a couple of clicks here and there? Yes, sir. So that's not not too bad. Uh, So the manual labor on generating the letter is not as tiresome or cumbersome as one would think. The system does the majority of the heavy lifting. You just got to do some modifications as needed, which is why when the template letter that goes out to the CMO gets told to do, now they got to go off template and actually do some manual entry stuff. Yes, sir. Okay. And hopefully that's not happening too much. So then the letters generated by BUMED... How do you get notified that a decision has been made? Do you get an email alert? Do you have to just go and click refresh in WebWave all the time? How, how are you notified that there's a new case to, that's there's, been a decision?
1: There's usually, there's emails that we get that says case has been closed or stuff like that. But we also, every morning we come in and that's the first thing we do. We pull letters. Okay. So we would, we see how many there is. There could be 20 and sometimes there could be 102, which takes a little longer. Right. Because we are pulling two. So um, it really just depends. We The the emails that we get is... Oh, hold on.
0: Say that. I want to stop you there. So if we got 102 in the queue today, you're going to have to generate 204 letters? Yes.
1: yes because sir.
0: you have to generate the first letter, mm-hmm. and then you have to generate the second letter. Yes, sir. But we're not printing any of the letters, right? They're just saved locally as PDFs, and right. then... Okay. Once you... Okay, go ahead and finish. So we got the 102 letters that we pulled yep. down today, and then what?
1: That's it. So it's just really we get emails, but we don't really see those emails. Well, we see them, but we don't really look at them because we see them. You just see the email
0: and then you go to WebWave. Right. Okay. Yeah. Can, could you work WebWave through the email without having to do it? Or it just says
1: no, it has something's
0: to be. been done in WebWave and then you just automatically, you see that and you go straight to WebWave. Yes,
1: we have to go to WebWave.
0: And then once you generate the second letter, that's the one that matters. Mm-hmm. It's not physically signed by the CG, right? Who's signing these letters?
1: By der, by um, our lieutenant colonel.
0: Okay, so lieutenant colonel Francis, the branch head, he physically signs every BUMED, or how's that work?
3: We have uploaded his signature into WebWave and
0: in the. Okay, so it's just okay, yes. so it's automatic. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 okay. And so the only time that it becomes contentious is when there's a disapproval and there's an ETP. Who's signing that one? The CG. Yes, sir. Okay. And I suspect that's a wet signature. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, other than that, it's just the routine auto pen through the system. WebWave. If it's approved, boom. If it's disapproved, and needs a signature, it has that as well. Then, how do you get the letter to the to the recruiter? How does the recruiter know? because so they're not WebWave.
1: When we while we pull these letters, we approve and disapprove them with Chris at the same time, and then once they're done, we combine them and then we put them in the SharePoint.
0: Okay. And then the districts, and everybody's got access to that. Yes. And how do you you put them in there by date or something so they, they are, can just check by, them by date? date. Yeah. Yes. And, then, and uh, are they alphabetical?
1: My, no, they're they are by approved, disapproved, and remedial. That's how they're. Okay, so categorized.
0: Okay, so when I'm clicking through the PDF today, and there was 102 letters, I'm going to find all the approvals up front, mm-hmm. then the disapprovals, yes, sir. and then the remedials, yes, sir. But inside the approvals. Disapprovals and remedials, are those alphabetized? No. Well, I can find the W first and then the A at the back of approvals. No, sir. So I got to look through every one of them.
1: Yeah, or you can control F.
0: Oh, you want to get all fancy with the control F? Okay, <laughs> okay. I see how you did there. Okay. But approvals, disapprovals, resubmit, just scroll through them. Typically, a clerk's going to do that anyway, so right. they're going to look through all of them. Do we still put the MCC codes on the letter, 995, this, 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 Like, how do I know if I'm RS Sacramento if these are my kids? Or do I have to research every single letter? Because I used to put an MCC code on there. We
3: closed the, close the case out in SharePoint. Mm-hmm. So if you submitted a case yep. for whatever applicant, yep. and then we go in there and close that case, mm-hmm an email notification that this is something's happening your case was closed
0: right okay so if, like if I correct. have alerts set up in SharePoint so that's a right. key thing if you're a clerk yeah. at the RS or district level and you're using the SharePoint if you don't have alerts set up you might not be getting these auto notifications so just like on your iPhone for social media or whatever go to SharePoint and go to the list, the BUMED list, and alert me when, and you can go through a, a smattering of, of things. I just put everything. <laughs> and so then if somebody changes a date at the district, I now know that my, I get an email that says, hey, now rick has got it. And then once you submit it to BUMED and you add that date, I'm going to get that update. And then once the case is closed, I'm going to get that yes. alert. So make sure you set up your alerts in SharePoint. And I think anybody can do that that has access to the BUMED list, and I think it's open to everyone. So recruiters could go in there and get these notifications. Though you don't want that many notifications coming to your email because you're going to get every BUMET alert or where the clerks. It makes sense. Yes, okay. and
3: also once we put the dates in there, it moves that case to a separate folder within the SharePoint. Yep. So if you, as a recruiter, have five BUMETs that you're waiting for, mm-hmm. you only have to keep track of those five names. Right. Once it gets moved into the approved or remedial folder, you just go into the letters.
0: Troll after the kid that you're looking for, and you Boom. Okay, very good. Very good. I appreciate that. I'm trying to think back through my mind what other questions that I might have. I did post this up on Facebook, and I've got some uh, some questions here that they've asked, but I'm going to wait uh, and see. Anything else that y'all want to cover? No pain points, no other pain points that, that we wish the, the RS clerks or the recruiters or, or somebody would uh, handle up front?
1: I think that's all I got.
0: Okay. Uh, I, will, I will tell the audience that this group up here understands the challenge of recruiting, the, what the recruiters face. They have an absolute uh, mentality and motivated to, to help recruiters. They are constantly hitting refresh and SharePoint. They're always on the phone with people at BUMED. They're always trying to get decisions on this. Uh, they work hand-in-hand with the enlisted ops chief, the enlisted branch head. Uh, they care about your mission as much as you do, and, and sometimes maybe even more. Uh, they're they're always uh, here to support. They understand that that's their role, and they actually want to come be recruiters, so they're doing really good right now. I know Corbin Mateos just was like, yep, she's (laughs) going to be a recruiter, so our man's going to be a recruiter one day when we find his replacement. Doc, the the ship has sailed. He's not going on recruiting duty. He's (laughs) he's about to retire here pretty soon, but uh, I think he he said he's at 18 years, right? So uh, I I don't think you're going on recruiting duty. All right, so I asked the Facebook group and so I got some comments and some questions here. I'm going to read it, and I'll y'all figure out who's going to answer this as best you can. I recently learned that other services, medical waivers, will specify why a waiver was approved or disapproved, particularly waivers with multiple disqualifying conditions. It's not clear which one was waived. It's just a blanket disapproval. Is there any likelihood, likelihood or is Bumet open to doing something like this? So I'm not worried about an approved condition personally, uh, but disapprovals, other than just saying disapproved, what I'm gathering from that is other services and their disapproval are being very descriptive of exactly why. And I know that goes against the template because now we're going case by case, which which told me we're doing anyway, right? Uh, I would like to know why specifically this person was disapproved and this person was approved, right? For the same defect. What do you say?
3: Unfortunately a lot of that comes down to time. Do you want a descriptive disapproval or do you want to maintain the
0: the tempo in which they come
3: we are getting the back?
0: Both. I want both. I want both.
3: Well and the
2: other thing they might be talking about too is uh, when disapproval letters come back, you could have three or four different medical conditions right. Which one on that which
0: one and right.
2: three of them out of the four would have been approved. Approved. Right. But there's that one. But you can't figure out which of the four right. was the true disqualifier. Unfortunately, after talking to BUMED about that, within the system, all the disqualifiers are going to be on there, whether it's approved or disapproved. Uh, what it takes is us up here at Micric actually going in and looking at the BUMED note to be able to ref- mm. let the let the districts know Right, which actual condition it was that the physician, when they were reviewing that case, was disqualifying.
0: So though the letter will not say it, if someone is inclined to know which of the four they could call their district, have the district reach out up here, we could go into that specific case on a case-by-case basis. We don't do this for thousands of UMEDs on a case-by-case basis and give you the details that you're looking for on which specific case or or what code was actually disqualified.
2: Exactly. And that's what I do for for officer programs. So if if there is one kid and and the district's like, this guy is the golden ticket, and then he gets a disapproval, and they're like, well, hang on, for which condition? Right. So the district corpsman reaches out to me and says, hey, can I get the BUMED note for what the condition is? I'm not going to send them everything BUMED says. Right. They don't need to know that. Yep. I will send them the little snippet that says... This condition yep. is waiver not recommended. Okay. And, and I'll refer that back to the district corpsman who then lets the district and everybody else know.
0: The point is that the, these notes are captured somewhere, even though they may not make it onto the list. Exactly. They didn't just look at it and say, okay, these disqualified without any thought, right? So, exactly. Okay. Thank you for that. Let's see here. It says they also go as far to highlight things that assisted in their determination. Detailed exam notes from the CMO, multiple medical opinions from specialists, etc. I think we already kind of talked about that. I believe a lot can be learned and applied if we knew whether our efforts are spot on or can use improvement. Okay, yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, the good news is that the information is already there; uh, it's just not making its way to the letter So for for the edge cases where it's a multiple defect. BUMED, and it comes back disapproved, and the letter doesn't specify which defect was disapproved, you can work through your district and and get an answer on those case by case, so that you understand that the astigmatism was not the problem, it was the, you know, the missing arm. Okay. Yes,
3: sir. We, districts have reached out before, we've provided clarification. The only downside is, obviously, if somebody's digging through the case and finding out the why, they're not submitting more cases.
0: We can provide a B- Right, right, right. I- I'm not advocating that we adjust the way in which we do the letter and speak to each case unless the system could be built or developed in a way to automate that as they're clicking through the things that would grab the notes. That's a system engineer issue, not a micric or BUMED. That's a system engineer issue. Absent that, they're not going to change the way the letter is. We're not going to add more details to the letter. If you need that information on an isolated case, Get in touch with us. We can go into WebWave and tell you exactly what defect was disqualified. Okay. And then let's see here. We recently came out with the requirements for conditional debts. Is there any word on if changes to the DODI or SMDRP will be implemented to no longer require the BUMED process for more commonly approved? Okay, yeah, I just talked about that. Uh, I think they just extended the window of whatever they're doing to evaluate those defects uh either they didn't get enough data or they need more time to assess that but that's in the works it's coming i know that that is a topic of the lucky 13 which are all the the 06 commanders and 06 staff in the in the micrick region and, and your district level and the in the the three generals are nested inside that lucky 13 is a topic for them which means it's important and so there there's some steam gaining on this and obviously as soon as we get those defects refined and they've got their stats they will make an update to the doty so that things that are commonly being presented at meps that are stopping enlistments that we're having to do conditional depth on and then ultimately submit a met on will go away and they'll just get approved at the local cmo level hopefully that answers that question that is all the questions that have c posted in facebook and those are all the questions that i have any parting shots Corporal mateos
1: nothing sir Nothing at the top of my head right now.
0: You know, you were the biggest um, opponent to this podcast and coming on, yet, man, once we uncorked the top, you just couldn't stop talking. That's good.
1: I mean, this is my job, sir.
0: You're very Until passionate about Bumez Until March 11th. That's right. You're <laughs> very passionate about the BUMEDs. Where are you going next?
1: MSG school, sir.
0: She's going on embassy duty. Wow. Yes, sir. When do you get to pick what embassy you go to?
1: You don't get to pick, sir.
0: You don't get to pick anymore.
1: Unless you're the top number one student.
0: Then you'll be picking, right? Yes. Uh, sir. When I came in the Marine Corps, you typically did two embassies. You would do a hard and a and a medium or soft risk type embassy. I think now you rotate three times, right? You're gonna go to one, you yes. do it for a year, then you go to another you for a year. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes, sir. That is wild. That's a lot of moving. But that's a lot of good experience too, right? So you yes. get to see three different embassies, the way they operate, and potentially in three different parts of the world. So that's yes, pretty sir. cool.
1: Hopefully I get Italy. I want some pasta. There you go. Authentic
0: pasta. Authentic pasta. <laughs> so Olive Garden ain't doing it anymore,
1: huh? <laughs> it never was, sir.
0: Uh, that's the most, that's awesome. That's good Italian food. I'm uh, joking. I'm there's joking. this
1: good um, spot. I'll tell you about it after the bar
0: right, Let me know, because I want to, I yeah, we don't want that word getting out. <laughs> uh, I like me some good pasta. Doc? Anything?
2: No, I mean, uh, I'm always here and always available. So if anybody needs anything, just
0: feel free to reach out. I intentionally didn't ask for your email address because I knew that they would come to you. Oh, After they know up. you can do stitches on site oh, and shit.
2: They'll, leave, they'll blow up my email.
0: Right. So I'm not giving your information no, out. No. they have to come to you by way of the, the other two. Exactly. And the good news is Corporal Mateo's email address going to change March 11th, so she'll be off the hook. So, man, man. you're stuck because (laughs) you're going to have that at uh, marines.usmc.mil account for a while. Yes.
3: Sir, I'm I'm never there. Right. And then he's going to be a recruiter.
0: That's what I'm talking about. He's going to have that address for a very long time. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate y'all sitting down with me today and talking all things BUMED and helping for the listeners get some details on that. If there's anything I missed, if you have any follow-on questions, shoot me an email at Christopher.Mayfield at me.com. That's Christopher.Mayfield at me.com. Or hit us up on Facebook, on the Training and System Integration Facebook group, and I'll do my best to answer your questions either via email or on a subsequent podcast. Other than that, y'all have a great day and simple connected.